Thank you for listening to the North Place Podcast. We hope that after listening to this message, you will feel inspired, uplifted, and closer to Christ. To watch the video of this message, visit our website, northplacechurch.com slash watch. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to receive every episode on your phone as soon as we publish them. Christmas Eve is the crescendo of the entire story of God. Why? Because the driving passion of God's heart from the very beginning of the Bible up until right now has been to have a close relationship with us. He wants to be with us. He wants to dwell with us. And if you search the scriptures, you will continually see a God who passionately and continually is trying to break into disinterested and sinful hearts. But he doesn't let our disinterest in our sin turn him away. As a human race, we have ignored him, we have scorned him, we have mocked him, and we have repetitively broken his heart. But he never gives up on us. He keeps chasing us. He keeps pursuing us. He keeps arranging circumstances and events and people, placing them into our lives so that our hearts will continually be turned back to his love pursuing us. He's not going to quit. So if you're here today and you're running from God, just know you can't outrunning and he's not going to give up. He is going to keep pursuing you because there is nothing he wants more than you. There's nothing he wants more than a close personal relationship with you. That's the reason why there's a Christmas. That's the story behind the story of the Christmas story. God could not stand the distance between him and people. He had to get close. He had to draw near. He had to close the distance. And if there is distance between you and your relationship with him, he was going to make sure that that distance was not going to be his fault. It was not going to be blamed upon him. So if there's distance, it wasn't going to be on his shoulders. He was going to do everything within his power to be near us to do everything within his power to give us a chance to know him. So the God of the universe left the splendor, glory, and riches of heaven. He robed himself in human frailty and broke into our world as a baby in a manger 2,000 years ago. He put himself in our condition so that he could identify with us. He put himself in our condition so that he might understand us because ultimately he wanted to save us. Now, I don't know if that plot line sounds familiar to you, but it should. And I don't mean the plot line, the Christmas storyline of angels and mangers and shepherds and wise men. That's not the storyline I'm talking about. I'm talking about the plot line where somebody that is superhuman outside of our world breaks into our world in order to save us and rescue us. That plot line should sound familiar to you because it seems like Every superhero story ever written or every superhero film or movie ever made has plagiarized the story of God and retold it with different names and different characters. And if you haven't noticed, those, super, those superhero movies, they're doing pretty well in our culture. Seven of the top 11 grossing movies of 2017 were superhero movies. Six of the top 10 highest grossing movies of 2018 
have been superhero movies. This year's movies, Black Panther, Avengers, Deadpool, Ant-Man, Venom, and the list goes on and they're all at the top. Those are the ones we're paying to go see at rapid record rates. Of the 50 highest grossing movies of the last 10 years, 70% of those movies deal with central figures that possess superhuman power or in one way or another tap into the world of the supernatural. And it's not just the movies. The television series do the same thing. You have Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, The Defenders, Arrow, The Flash, Gotham, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, and I could go on and on and on. The question for us today is, why are we so enamored with superheroes? And what is it about the supernatural that just keeps drawing us to those kinds of movies? Films reflect the cravings and the values of the period in which they were made. So years from now, when historians look back on our generation... And they begin to look at the films of our generation and see this rush, this glut of superhero films that were made during our time. They're going to ask questions. What was it about that generation that craved that? What was it about that generation that made them want that? Because producers are not just making movies because that's a neat theme. They're making movies to sell them. And the only reason they're making them is because it's business. They think we're going to stand in line to go see them. And we are. So what is it about us? What is the craving on the inside of us that keeps showing up, buying tickets, and wanting more superhero movies? It's pretty obvious that there's a longing in every one of us to experience something greater than us. There is something on the inside of us that wants to connect with a power that is greater than and outside of us. Something as finite beings that wants to connect with the infinite. Something as finite beings that wants to connect to the eternal. And so if we buy a ticket, if it's just for 90 minutes, and we go escape to some supernatural, superhuman world, it makes us forget about the problem and have this rare, distant hope that maybe something like that out there does exist that could make all of this pain and all of these problems actually go away. Michael Shannon is an actor who played the villain, General Zod. He was the villain to Superman in the movie Man of Steel, and he was interviewed. Why do you think that people are clamoring to see these superhero movies? This is what he said. If every delicate, it's a very delicate time right now on earth, and there's a lot going on that's pretty frightening. It would be nice to believe or think that there was somebody that could protect us from that, whether it's random terrorist attacks, rising crime rates, the threat of financial collapse, prejudice, or infectious killer viruses. Our world is on a constant knife edge. And in troubled times, people secretly wish that there were superheroes around to hose down all of the horrors of the world. I don't know if you get it. I don't know if you see it, but there's a deep craving in the human heart for what Christmas is offering to us. But here's the big difference. There is a massive difference between the plot line of the Christmas story and the plot line of the legends and fairy tales. 
We're turning to the legends and the fairy tales in an attempt to escape the deepest fears of our hearts instead of resting in the greatest story ever told, instead of building our lives on the original story of a rescuer with a capital R who came from another world and broke into our world to rescue and save us. The rest of them are fairy tales and the, and the, the moment, the experience lasts about 90 minutes and it's over. But the story I'm telling you about today is a historical reality and can not only change your here and now, it can change your eternity. That's why we have mangers everywhere at North Place this year. They're on our Christmas t-shirts. They're in our lobby. They're behind me on the platform. And that's why the world's largest manger was built on the front line of our church because we wanted to make an announcement this year at Christmas. We wanted there to be a declaration that the God of heaven has broken into and invaded our world. His portal was a manger. And the form that he chose to come in was a baby. Why a baby? Because he wanted to be approachable. He wanted to be unintimidating. He wanted to identify with us, to be able to relate to us. And he wanted us to be able to relate to him. But most of all, he just wanted to be here. He wanted to dwell. He wanted to be close. So the announcement of Christmas is the announcement that God is here, that he has come. That's why the song says, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, that Jesus Christ is born. But here's what I strongly felt led of the Holy Spirit to say to you on this Christmas Eve 2018. Yes, he is here. Yes, God has come. Yes, he has broken into our world. The kingdom of God is here. But listen, even though God has invaded our world, he still has to be invited into your life. The general presence of God is everywhere. He's here, there, over there. He's everywhere all the time. We have a word for that. It's called omnipresence. But just because he is here doesn't mean that he is personally involved in the affairs of your life. He wants to be, but in the process of creating us, he has given every one of us a free will. He has given every one of us a choice. So we can worship whatever we want to. We can go wherever we want to. We can organize our life around whatever principles of belief that we want to. Now, it's not going to work out well for us in the end, but we have that freedom. We have that choice. He has given it to us. He has invaded our world, but he has to be invited into our lives. Now, let's look at the script unfold, God's superhero script. The invasion happens in John chapter 1 and verse number 14. John describes God breaking into the world when he says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. This is the breaking in moment, the moment where God invaded our world. But if you read the next chapter, so that's John chapter 1. If you read the next chapter of John, which is John chapter 2, the baby is now a grown man, and he has protected his identity. The world does not yet know who he is in John 2. He has protected his identity and kept it a secret for over 30 years. And all of that changes when you get to John 2. John 2 says this, verse 1, The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, 
they have no more wine. Now, this is what I want you to see before I read on. I love the fact that the Bible gives us an insight into the interpersonal relationships, the dynamic between Jesus' relationship with his mother. And what I realized at the end of reading this this weekend is that Jesus' mama was just like your mama. And that's, uh, I mean, he had a mama uh, and she was just like yours. And, and, and you see it. I love the fact that scripture lets us see this. So, so she comes to him and says, Jesus, we have a problem. We've been invited as guests to this wedding and our hosts have egg on their face. They're embarrassed because they have run out of wine for all of their guests. And here's Jesus's response. Verse four, dear woman, that's not our problem. He said, my time has not yet come. He's like, mom, look, I I, I didn't really plan on being at this wedding. We got invited to this wedding and this is definitely not the way I had it in my mind to reveal to all these people who I am. I've kept this a secret for over 30 years. It's, 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 It's time for us to just, let's hold this under. But notice what his mom said, verse five, but Mary, his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Now notice she didn't argue with Jesus. She didn't even ask him. She just, she just looked over at the servants and says, go do whatever he tells you to do. In other words, I'm his mama. He's going to do it because I asked him to do it. So just start getting ready to do whatever he tells you to do because he's going to tell you something because I'm his mama and I told him to fix the problem. His mama is just like your mama. But here's what we need to see about this wedding. We don't even know the name of the couple getting married. And we do know that the place they're getting married is a remote, obscure village called Cana. It's an out-of-the-way place. Matter of fact, There are scholars arguing today over exactly where Cana is. If you go to Israel, there are four different spots it could possibly be, and they're still arguing over where it was. It's so remote, it's so obscure, which which leads me to the question, why in the world? Where? What brings the God of the universe to a wedding for a couple that remain nameless in the Bible in some remote, out-of-the-way village? Why is he there? Because he was invited because he goes and comes wherever he's invited. Verse 2 says, And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. And you know the rest of the story. He turns the water into wine. He shows up at this wedding simply because he had been invited and he ends up displaying miracle working, miracle working power in a mundane place. And I don't think there's a better message that goes along with the Christmas story than the miraculous showing up in the mundane. Because that's exactly what happened when the Son of God robed himself in human flesh and that baby was lying and swallowing clothes in a feed trough, the miraculous in the mundane. That's what happens in this obscure place for these nameless people. The miraculous shows up in the mundane. That's what happens every time God shows up and works in every one of our lives. It is the miraculous at work in the mundane. Why? Because God comes wherever he's welcomed and wherever he's invited. Listen, God will show up in your car if you invite him. Your commute can become your chapel. Your Camry can become the seat of glory for God. If you'll just invite him, he will come wherever he is welcome. That's why we lift our hands when we worship at church here at North Place. It's because we want him to know, God, we surrendered this platform to you. We surrendered this environment to you. It belongs to you. We are yours. You are welcome here. Our praise invites him in. Our worship welcomes his power. Because when we reach out to him like a child in weakness, 
The word comes. He sent his word and healed them. The scripture says, John said, the word was in the beginning with God and the word was God. And when you invite him in, the word begins to flow through the corners of time, invades our life and begins to change circumstances and desperate situations. He'll show up in the valley of dry bones if you invite him in. He'll show up in the mess of your life if you'll invite him in. He'll show up in the dysfunction of your relationships if you'll invite him in because he comes wherever he's invited. John said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word, Jesus, went to an obscure village to some obscure people because Jesus wanted the world to know, I will show up wherever I'm welcomed, wherever I'm invited. So it leads me to the question, have you invited Jesus in? I don't mean had some distant experience of the general presence of God. Do you know him personally? Have you invited him into your life? He'll come. I know you got all this you're hiding from people and there's shame and there's excuse and there's addiction and there's all that stuff. But that doesn't, he's not intimidated by that. I promise you he will come wherever he's invited. But let me take it one step further. Have you invited him into your Christmas season? Because Christmas naturally breeds chaos. And so what we're going to be doing in the next few hours is running around to meet expectations and to meet obligations. And in the morning, the paper's going to start flying and we're going to be running to so-and-so's house and -and so-and-so's house. And by the end of the sunset tomorrow or the season, whatever it looks like for your family, it's very possible you could run the course of the chaos and him been nowhere in the mix. So the question is, have you stopped long enough in the chaos and invited him? Have you invited the Prince of Peace into the chaos of Christmas? He's invaded the world, but he's not going to invade your life. He's invaded the world, but he's not going to invade your circumstance until he's invited. He has to be invited in. That's why the Christmas carol says, let every heart prepare him room. If you welcome him, he will come. He invaded the world, but he has to be invited into your life. And listen, if you invite him in, I promise you he's going to get involved. Most of you know the story of the wedding of Cana. He turned the water into wine. He didn't just show up. He showed up in power. He got involved. And the message of Christmas is not just the announcement that God has come. The message of Christmas is not just that God has showed up on the scene. The message of Christmas is that God shows up in our world in order to do something about it. He comes to identify with us so that he can get involved in our lives and change our situation miraculously. When you invite him, he shows up in power. The Christmas story makes theological room for a God who wants to tangibly reveal himself and powerfully involve himself in our lives. And, 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 and far from what other people have tried to make it look like, the God of the Bible is not some soft, tamed deity. He is a God of power and he is a God of might. And when you invite him in, he comes in with force and he comes in with power and he comes in with might. If you invite him in, his miracle working power will come into your life. He won't invade. He has to be invited. But if you invite him, I promise you he's going to get involved. I've seen it happen in my own life. 
He invaded my life because I was courageous enough about 30 years ago to invite him in. I grew up in a poor family. My family, uh, no male in my family ever graduated high school. No male or female ever had the chance to go to college until I did. My situation was pretty dire. My father left my family. Um, He was married to another woman the same time he was married to my mom, living a lie between both families. And when that came to light, it sent me into a tailspin. I had been sexually abused as a child And then when all of this came out, it was like gasoline on the fire. So I threw myself into substance abuse to try to drown the pain in my life. And because I came in from a poorer situation, we didn't have the money to support my addiction. So I stole it. I stole it out of the grocery store where I worked in order to meet this addiction. And I was literally destroying my life. I went to church on November the 18th of 1990, still drunk from the party of the night before. For whatever reason, through my drunkenness, there was enough of the Spirit of God at work in my heart that there was a drawing back into that church on Sunday night. And I came back Sunday night sober. And I sat there while the preacher was preaching and I had this argument with God. God, I don't think by looking at other people in this room that you deal and hang out with people like me. I'm not like them. There's all of this shame, all of this hypocrisy, all of this addiction in my life, all of this dysfunction in my family. I don't know that a God like you hangs out with people like me, but if you do, if you do, if you can make room to come into a life like mine, I'm not going to live to see my 25th birthday if you don't rescue me. And I don't understand all the preachers saying up there today, but I know I need you. And I invite you in, please, if you hang out with people like me, would you please come into my life? And friend, when I made that invitation to God almost 30 years ago, he didn't come reluctantly or out of obligation. He came running into my life and he filled my life with force and with power and began to completely rework my life. He unshackled me from addiction and altered my everyday and obviously changed the course, the trajectory, and the destiny of my life. And there have been so many times... And I have time to tell you about him when I have invited him into desperate situations in my life and he came because he was invited. My oldest son's 21, about to turn 21. When he was 10, he was bleeding from the inside. He was hemorrhaging through the pores in his skin. We rushed to the doctor. They sent us immediately to Medical City. We went to the cancer wing of Children's Hospital at Medical City. He was dying. They thought he had leukemia. It turned out it was another disease that caused the hemorrhaging, but it was life-threatening. And I can remember in a moment of desperation when the doctors didn't know what to do and I thought I was about to lose my 10-year-old son, I fell at the foot of his bed and I yelled, everybody on that hall heard me yelling out to God, you gotta show up in room 304. You've gotta get into this situation. I can't lose it. And I was crying out to God in that particular moment and God came. But there have been moments in my life when I cried out and I wanted this and I needed the miracle and I didn't get it. He didn't show up in the way that I asked him to, but he always showed up and I was never alone. Even though I had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I did not walk alone because he has promised his presence. When he is invited, he comes wherever he's welcome. He makes his way into that place and into that environment. So I think it's fitting tonight before we light our candles and sing our last carols together and walk out of this room on Christmas Eve 2018 that we just pause and we invite him in. For some of us, 
It may be inviting him past a religious experience and a church experience and inviting him into relationship. There have been people gone to church their whole life that really don't know him. And some of us need to come to the place that we really know him, surrender to him, invite him into our life. Some of us have known him, but we've been running the last several years as hard as we can the other direction. And he's trying to pull you back home today and you just, you need to invite him in. There are some of us today that are in the season at this moment, but our relationships are fractured. Our home is fractured. Our marriage is fractured. Our relationship with children are fractured. And I'm encouraging you, invite him into the dysfunction of those relationships. But pastor, I have shame. I have these things that nobody knows and God knows. And I just don't feel I can ask him. I promise you, ask him. He's not intimidated by what you've screwed up or whatever's going on in your life. He doesn't come reluctantly. He comes running. He gets involved in our mess. That's the Christmas story. He was born in a barn where it stunk to send the message to you that he will come to the stinky places, the dangerous places, the shameful places. And he'll come to you if you'll invite him. So Father, we just pause right now. And I can't invite you into anybody else's life, but I just have to believe that as we pause in this moment, that you have, in your sovereignty, orchestrated this moment so that we would be here together. You loved us enough to bring us into this moment so one more time you could whisper the depth of your love to somebody here in this word today. And I ask you, Father, to give them the courage to invite you in. Because the word says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever invites the Lord, calls upon him, names him Lord, will be changed. As they invite you in, like I did almost 30 years ago, God, would you change. As people that have followed you for years invite you in to their dire circumstances, would you come and would you change them? Today we welcome you into our lives and we welcome you into this place. And Lord, may there be stories of life change that come from this moment that bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you stand with me all over this place today? As I was preparing for this week's message on Christmas Eve, I just sensed in my heart before we do anything else today, that there needs to be just one small moment where as a faith family, we welcome him in. Our worship welcomes him. Our praise invites his power. And he comes where he's invited. And when he comes where he's invited, he gets involved in power. And I want, him to, I want us to invite him into this place. So before we do anything else, would you just take one moment on the hills of this Christmas Eve word and invite God into this place Invite God into your life with a moment of heartfelt worship. Come on, let's sing, Come, let us adore Him. Come on, invite Him in. Welcome Him. Jesus, we welcome you, Father. Oh, come. Oh, come. 
This is how I find my back. You invite him, he'll come. This is how I find my back. When you worship, he'll go to this war. This is how I find my back. This is how I find my back. Come on, Lord, back. get involved in our life tonight. This is how I find my back. Get involved in our marriage. This is how I find my back. This is how I find my back. This is how I find my sorts of things. All you got to do is ask him and he'll come. Advent has been this celebration from week one. We started celebrating Advent hope and our greatest hope is that we serve a God that breaks into our lives. Week two, we celebrated Advent love, this promise that God is pursuing us and the chase is a chase of Christmas that will never stop. He broke into human history and he'll keep chasing after you. He will not quit. His love will not stop. He's pursuing you. Week three was about Advent joy. It's an expectant joy. And here's why it's an expectant joy. In the same way those first people were expecting joyfully the inbreaking of God into their world at the first Christmas. You see, Advent is not just a celebration of Christ coming at Christmas. Advent is also not a looking back, but also a looking forward to when he comes in his second Advent, when he comes again. And what I need you to know is that when he comes again, he's not coming as an infant mild. He's not coming as a suffering savior. When he comes back the next time, he's coming back as a conquering king and he will have on a robe with a name that no man has ever held before king of kings and lord of lords he's going to right every wrong and overthrow every injustice and the scripture says every the lion is going to lie down with the lamb because once and for all he's going to bring peace to earth and that's what this last weekend was all about advent peace that can only come through Jesus. He's come in part, but he's coming back in whole. Advent peace. And tonight, it all crescendos as we light the Christ candle when we celebrate the fact God has come. And the next few moments are a prophetic picture of the light of the world coming back to push back the darkness. As we light these candles, every candle in this room, the fire of your own candle will be originated from the Christ candle. And the light of this room 
the light of this candle is going to push back the darkness of this room. It's a picture of what happens in our lives. Let's sing in this sacred and very powerful moment. Let's sing this together.
In the stillness of this moment, let me say, if you made a decision to surrender your life to Jesus tonight, you invited Him in, there's nothing, there's no greater passion in my life than to help you grow. And so I ask our team to put together some of our resources. And at the VIP lobby in the back, there's a team standing there waiting. And if they've got a packet of information, a, a Bible that's easier to read, and a, some digital resources, some things, some teaching and sermons I put together to give to you to help you in your journey. There's a devotional that our pastors have written to help people the first 30 days after they commit to follow their follow Jesus Christ and I want to give all that stuff to you and all you got to do is let the people at the VIP booth know hey I invited him in I, I I prayed with Pastor Brian I made a decision tonight and they'll be thrilled I promise you they'll be thrilled I had a young lady come to me at the end of last service and say will you pray with me I, I, I'm not sure I did it right I said honey if your heart was pure and you invited him in you did it right but let's do it again together just in case she walked out of here with tears of joy on her face because all you got to do is invite him in and he'll come. I don't know if anybody's told you today they love you, but I'm telling you today I love you. The greatest honor of my life, the greatest honor for Haley and I in this world is to serve as the pastors of this church. It is a joy and a privilege, almost 15 years. And we plan on, if you'll let us, growing old here. Now, we're going to quit before we're slobbering on you, but we want to we give you the best of our lives because we love this moment, we love this church. I'm going to ask you, it's just as powerful as it is to see all these lit together. Uh, Let's watch them all go out together. You ready on the count of three? One, two, three. Lord, would you bless them and keep them? Would you make your face shine down upon them? Would you be gracious to them? Would you turn your countenance their direction? And would you give them Christmas peace? In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas. We love you. Thank you for listening to this message from North Place Church. Feel free to share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at North Place and on Facebook at North Place Church. To watch the video of this message, go to northplacechurch.com watch.